Well, greetings, everybody, and welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Fredland, excited to bring you another episode as we dig into another hand and we explore some of the insights from other players around uh, the state of Minnesota and beyond. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to Running Aces, who is our official sponsor. They've been a great supporter of what we're doing. And if you have any issues in getting the podcast, I would say just go directly to runaces.com slash recpoker. And we've got all of the past episodes out there. We put all of the the text so you have the this hand history. You'll have all of the information on there so you can read through it. Think about what you would do before you listen and then just click into the podcast directly from there. And while you're out there, check it out. See what's going on at Running Aces and maybe uh, find a tournament that works for you and we can see you out there on the felt. So thanks to them and thanks also to the Free Poker Network uh, providing free games around the country uh, at local bars. It's a great way to learn the game and a great way to meet some cool people and they've been a good supporter of Rec Poker as well. So with that, why don't we get into this hand for this week? And this is a hand that uh, I reconstructed from memory. It's a hand that's probably about two years old. Uh, it's from a tournament that I played at Running Aces. And so I remembered the best I could, and then I just I filled in, filled in the rest. Uh, but it is, um, I guess, based on reality, if that's important to you. So here's the situation. It's a $100 no-limit hold'em tournament. I'm playing at a 10-handed table. There's 120 people who started and 40 people are left. And out of that 40, 12 will get paid. So the average stack is around 30,000 chips. Our stack is about 75,000 chips, so we've had a good start to the tournament. The blinds are 500, 1,000 with a 100 ante. And it is folded to us in the cutoff. And we're sitting there with six of hearts, six of diamonds. And we raise from uh, 1,000 big blind, we raise it up to 2,400. And remember, we started with 75,000 chips. We're in the cutoff. The button calls, and they started the hand with 80,000 chips. And this player has been pretty straightforward, pretty ABC. Uh, they're betting and calling when they have it, folding when they don't, to the best that I can tell. Uh, so pretty straightforward player on the button to our left calls our raise to 2,400. The small blind folds and the big blind completes the blind. And they started the hand with about 60,000 chips. Now this player has been a bit spewy, a bit up and down, a lot of variability in their play throughout the tournament. Uh, they're playing a much wider range of hands pre-flop than most other players at the table. So we've got three-way action going to the flop. The total pot size is 8,700 chips. Now the flop comes, jack of spades, nine of clubs, six of spades. So we have now flopped a set uh, with a jack nine six board. We got pocket sixes. There are two spades on the board and a couple of straight draws as well. And the big blind checks to us. Now we bet 6,500 into the pot of 8,700 uh, out of our remaining 72,500. And the button calls the 6,500 and then the big blind folds. So now we're heads up and we've got a pot size of 21,700 chips. Now the turn card is the 10 of spades, which makes the board uh, jack, nine, jack of spades, nine of clubs, six of spades, 10 of spades. So jack, 10, nine, six with three spades. Now we lead out on the turn for 14,000 chips and the button calls the 14,000. 
leaving us with a pot now of 76,700 chips. The turn card is the eight of hearts. So that makes the board jack of spades, nine of clubs, six of spades, 10 of spades, eight of hearts. So given this, uh, the questions that I pose to players are what action do you take as the first to act on the river? Secondly, if we check and the button bets 25,000, what do we do? Thirdly, if we bet 22,000 and the button goes all in, what do we do? And what analysis or insights do you have on our play so far uh, up to the river? Maybe some different things to think about uh, from there. All right, well, let's hear what Matt Hamilton had to say. Thanks, Matt, first of all. Uh, Matt says, uh, first of all, let me say that I think checking the turn is extremely reasonable in this situation. On a flop of jack 9-6 with two spades, the 10 of spades is literally the worst card to hit the turn. Let's think about the types of hands an ABC player calls a preflop raise with that calls again on the flop. King-Queen, uh, Ace-X of spades, Ace-Jack, Ace-9 of spades, Queen-10 of spades, King-10 of spades, and we can throw in 10-8 of spades and 8-7 of spades. When we think about those hands and the fact that the 10 of spades fits in perfectly with his range, we should consider checking and playing a little pot control for a number of reasons. One, we are up against probably the only player at the table who covers us in chips, being as we are at two times the average, and we are both very deep. What do we do if he raises us on the turn? We decided to bet nearly a quarter of our stack. If he raises, we hate folding a set, but we are probably behind. All of a sudden, we are in a terrible position. Whereas if we employ a check-call strategy, we allow ourselves to see some rivers and reevaluate, as well as disguise our hand. Now, obviously, betting the turn makes sense to force draws to pay, but the biggest draws already got there on the turn. We are really betting, hoping he has a few hands like ace-jack or ace-spades, nine-offsuit, queen-jack, king-ten, but those hands will still likely call a river cruise bet if they check back turn and the river blanks. Also, you're likely not getting three streets of value from those hands, so choosing the flop and river to get value makes sense to me. Ultimately, I would like a turn check here, but being as we bet and got called, the question is, what action do we take on the river? Well, Matt says we should check. We just have to accept the board went from amazing to horrible, literally the worst turn and river run out for us. Being as our opponent has some queen of spades and would likely check back hands we beat like ace-jack, two pairs, etc., it's best to check fold. I just don't see many hands our opponent is turning into a bluff here. The second question is, if we check and the button bets 25000 what do we do? And Matt said he already answered that, fold. <laughs> and then finally, if we bet 22000 and the button goes all in, what do we do? And he says, what, why would we bet? In my opinion, no hand is calling us that we beat, and we certainly aren't folding our worst hands. What if we do briefly forget these factors and bet, we must fold to a raise? Well, thanks again, Matt. Good stuff as always. Let's see what Jason Ackerman has to say. I think the right play here is to check. Any flush or any straight beats us. The button has position on us, and he is in a great spot to bluff here and put pressure on us. If we bet, we put pressure on him, but what are we representing compared to what he is? If we bet, we are hoping he folds. But he has been calling each of our bets so far, so I feel he has a good hand and will call. But, his good, but is his good hand better than our trips? What is he putting us on? 
The second question was if we check and the button bets 25,000, what do we do? Well, if we call this bet, this leaves us with a slightly below chip average if we lose the pot, but we still have 27 big blinds. Here you have to trust your read. We could easily be beat, but are we getting four, but we are getting four to one on a call, and it makes it tough not to call. If we bet 22,000 and the button goes all in, what do we do? Well, I think here we have to fold unless we strongly believe he is bluffing. And then I ask for any analysis of our play prior to the river. Jason says, I don't know if I like the turn bet. I know putting pressure on him is better than letting him put pressure on us, but controlling our chip stack at this point is equally as important. I may have checked here to see what he does. If he bets, we can then maybe even check raise him, or if he checks back, I get the feeling we may have the best hand at that point, and our check will also control the pot slightly and save some valuable chips if we happen to have the losing hand. It is better to win a small pot than to lose a big one, especially at this point in the tournament. Thank you, Jason. Uh, Vic Swanson. I'm certainly checking the turn card after both the straight and a flush became available. I check the river and likely fold if the bet of 25,000 follows. I'm hoping he checks and he has two pair. Thank you, Vic. Chris Gordon. He says, uh, I would bet another 14,000 on the river and make them think we want to call. And if they call, fine. If we check and the button bets 25,000, I would call. If we bet 22,000 and the button goes all in, I would fold. Chris says, I'm fine with the previous play, though would likely call preflop versus raise. Okay, thanks, Chris. How about we turn this over to Steve Olson? Uh, how are we doing, Steve? Hopefully doing well. <laughs> uh, Steve says, if you check the river, the button should know you don't have a flush or a straight. What kind of hand did you put the button on? Would he call preflop with suited jack 9 or jack 10? Did he smooth call you with pocket 9s? Is he sitting on king-queen? Maybe you could get by with a blocking bet of 20,000. Best case, he somehow missed his draw or folds two pair or ace-jack. In the second section, uh, the second piece, uh, if we check any bets, uh, Steve says it would depend on my read of the player and his starting hand range, but if you bet preflop, the flop, and the turn, he has to know you've got something, and if he is willing to bet the river, if you checked it, I believe you'd have to fold because you're beat. And if I bet and he raises all in, the question that Steve raises is, what is the button's history? How often has he gone all in? I'd probably fold to a shove and live to fight another day. In an all-in situation, I like to be the first one in the pot unless I've really got the goods. In terms of uh, other analysis, Steve says, I think I might check the flop and see what develops. As great as a set is, it's bottom set and vulnerable to that draw-heavy board. Either that or move in on the flop and end it right there. All right, good stuff. Thanks, Steve. Uh, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsor. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack has the best poker room in Minnesota, featuring 24-7 promos on all cash poker games, including earning $2 per hour in comps, plus the most player-friendly tourney structures. Visit RunAces.com for daily promotions and the tournament calendar. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack, the official sponsor of Rec Poker. All right, let's pick up where we left off here. Now let's start with uh, Taylor Moss. Taylor says, first off, I agree with a lot of the action prior to the river decision. Preflop sizing is good. No unusual play from our opponents leads to us making a standard continuation bet, although I think the sizing here might be a little too big on the C-bet. Then in the turn, we bet two-thirds pot for a scary turn card and just get a call. Going into the river, I'm not happy with where I'm at in the hand. 
So in terms of what action would you take if you're first to act on the river? Taylor says, I'm checking here, uh, but I'm not doing it too, too quickly. I want the opponent to think that I'm thinking about it, even though my decision to check the river was decided after my turn bet. I think I would have only bet the river if the board paired, giving us a full house. With the delayed timing, I don't want to look like I'm giving up, even though I am giving up. Doing this might get us a check back from a 7. Thinking ahead, if we lead out into the button and get raised, we have to fold. I don't think an experienced player would raise us with anything less than a straight here. So if we bet, see a raise, and decide to call, we are either hoping that the opponent thinks two pair is good and, we are, and is going for value, or they are bluffing. Both of those seem very unlikely to me, so I'm not betting for the fear of being raised. Overall, I think this is a situation where hand ranging essentially says that the button wins every time. In our range, the only value hands at this point are king-queen, queen-jack, pocket-queens, or a suited ace. We have a lot of top pairs, sets, over pairs here that would be... That would, that would be aggressive up until the turn and then are forced to give up. Pocket aces through sixes, ace-jack, king-jack. Where our opponent has a lot more of those middle hands that contain a random queen, random seven, or the flush, given their calls on the flop and the turn. Our check takes out the top part of our range unless we are going for a trap. So I think we got very unlucky with the run out of the board, which happens, and we need to move on to the next hand. And all of this I said without giving much value to the note of bot button play straightforward. This is an even bigger push to say that we are beat. They've been putting chips into the pot and most likely have a, ha a made hand or a reasonable draw on the turn. Then the river completes every possible draw, making, up our, making our set shrivel up. So the question is, if we check and the button bets 25000 what do we do? Taylor says we fold. I say that while being able to look at the hand in retrospect. However, in the moment, there's a chance if I'm off my game, I may be a little tilted by the runout and have to see that I was beat. I need to stop myself from making those mistakes because just sending 25 big blinds or a third of our stack for that information is terrible. Fold, fold, fold. <laughs> and thirdly, if we bet 22,000 and the button goes all in, what do we do? And this is what I alluded to before, Taylor says. Betting on the river causes uh, us causes us to think we, we may be good only to get raised is the worst leak in the world we have to look one step forward realize that we are almost always value cutting ourselves with this bet if we get called and are only forcing worse hands to fold it would be a really bad bet to make on the river and an even worse call if the player moves all in good stuff taylor thank you young man how about rob washam rob says this is a hand reading exercise First, the button's calling range. Pocket 2s through pocket 10s or pocket jacks. Jack 10, queen jack, king jack, king queen suited, or otherwise. Ace 2 through ace queen suited, sometimes ace king suited. And ace 10 offsuit through ace queen offsuit, and sometimes ace king offsuit. And then 7 6 suited up through 10 9 suited, and maybe some suited gappers. Now assume that he would 3 bet the top of his range. This is a very tight range, but a looser range would include uh, all of those hands anyway. On the flop, he calls a three-quarter pot C-bet, so we can start to narrow his range. You said he was ABC and would fold when he doesn't have it. I will assume this means big draws also. So the calling range on the flop becomes jacks through sevens, jack ten, queen jack, king jack, and maybe king queen for the gut shot draw, and all of the spade combos. All of the suited aces of spades, as well as 
all ace jack of spades or ace with the jack of spades ace nine of spades and ace six of spades ace jack offsuit maybe ace king offsuit and then seven six of spades through uh, nine seven of spades uh, or no uh seven six through nine seven of all combinations whether they're spades or not then the calling range on the turn narrows down to pocket jacks through pocket eights jack ten queen jack king jack and we include some king queen combos all of the suited aces of spades as well as all ace jack suited and ace nine suited we got ace jack offsuit and then we got all the combinations of seven six through nine seven uh, suited cards so a lot there <laughs> rob says we may be able to eliminate some of the flushes and sets because he may have raised the turn with these but he could be trapping or trying to get to showdown cheaply with a small flush wow his range is very nutted i didn't count the combos of cards but it looks like he has more straights and flushes than he does two pair so question one i would be checking this river and hope for a check back i don't think i would call any bet on this river so question two is I would fold. Question three is I was fold. So whether we check and he bets or if we check and he or if we bet and he raises, either way Rob would fold. Question four, um, in terms of other insights, the way the villain is described, I would want to see if he bets out if you check on the turn. If he checks, we get a free card to the house. If he bets, it would probably be smaller than your your sizing, allowing you to see the river for less. All right, thank you, Rob. Very good stuff again. Uh, Mike Inglehop says, uh, I would check and pray he checks too. It's an awful board for the bottom set. What worse hands are calling us? Two pair? Two pair and one pair hands could pretty easily fold if they haven't already. We are only called by better when we bet here, in my opinion. If we were going to bluff here, I'd probably save my bluffs for ace-x hands that contain the ace of spades, and it's going to have to be a shove because we have less than the pot left. Secondly, if, if we check any bets... Uh, Mike says, this is a gross spot. We're getting 4-1 to one on a call, so what's the math? We have to only be right around 20-25% to 25% of the time. Can we come up with some floats that are now bluffs? Perhaps ace-king with the ace of spades or a king of spades? They probably raise preflop, though. Maybe ace-jack or ace-ten with the ace of spades. Maybe king-jack or king-ten with the king of spades. I don't see any other ace-x with ace of spades that makes sense. And I think there are a ton of hands that beat you. Ace-queen suited and ace-queen with the ace of spades. King-queen suited and not. Uh, all queen-jack suited or not. Queen-nine of spades, ace-nine of spades, king-nine of spades, nine-eight of spades, nine-seven of spades, eight-seven of spades. And then a set of nines or jacks or tens that didn't believe you on the flop. Even something goofy like pocket sevens that thought, I'm just going to take this away from him at another spade hits, ends up beating you. If it's possible he wouldn't have raised pocket queens in the preflop, then that beats you. Sadly, I think it's a fold, and I'm guessing the math would say so, too. The third one, if, if we bet and he raises all in, Mike says, we need to invent a time machine, go back, and don't bet 22000 I think this has to be a fold. This game is over so often. You've shown strength on every street. You could have the nuts, ace-king of spades in your range, and not his, but that's about where your range advantage ends, in my opinion. As far as any other insights, Mike says, having a set gives us equity even against a straight or a flush as we could make a full house, so I don't mind aggression preflop on the flop and on the turn. I like the sizing preflop and on the flop. I think the turn sizing is too big. If the opponent has one pair hand, they'll go away for a smaller bet. There are just too many hands that aren't going away here because they have a ton of equity, so we don't have to make it big. I think 40% of pot is fine, and smaller could be fine too. 
All right, good stuff, Mike. Let's take a quick break to once again hear from our sponsor. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack has the best poker room in Minnesota, featuring 24-7 promos on all cash poker games, including earning $2 per hour in comps, plus the most player-friendly tourney structures. Visit runaces.com for daily promotions and the tournament calendar. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack, the official sponsor of Rec Poker. All right, and we are back. Uh, turning now to Stacy Nelson and his input. Stacy says, "Arg, that's my input. <laughs> this is where I tell myself, don't get married to any hand. I think I bet out again. If he is pretty straightforward, he may call with ace-jack or two-pair. If he is super strong, he will come over the top of us and we give it up. If we just check to him, we may induce him to bet because he because we show weakness. So we almost have to call anything up to 25000 So why not give him a chance to fold a better hand? With that board, he may fold pocket nines, pocket jacks, and maybe even the straight, depending on his view of you. I like our play so far. I just hate the board. Not confident in any of that, so I would love to hear what other people think. All right, thanks, Stacy. Uh, Andy Kaplan. He says, this is tough, but I think we have the best hand here. On the river, I think I make a value bet of maybe 21000 or so. It seems like there are many hands in our opponent's range that we beat here. We lose with two random spades, with pocket jacks, pocket nines, or pocket tens, or a queen. Most of these are less likely based on the pre-flop, flop, and turn action. But we win with most other hands in his turn-calling range, including ace-king, ace-jack, ace-ten, ace-nine, jack-nine, pocket aces, and pocket kings. And it appears that our opponent has a hand he perceives as strong. I think when we have a strong hand that could very well be called down by a lesser hand, a thin value bet is the way to go. In the second situation where we check and they bet, uh, Andy says checking is my second choice with the intention of calling a 25,000 chip bet. Again, we have the best hand here most of the time. If we bet and the button goes all in, I think I put them on a straight or a flush and I fold. If our opponent is willing to put all of his chips in, I think we need to give them credit for a very strong hand. Andy says I like to play prior to the river. I think we have the best hand and our opponent has second best most of the time. Therefore, betting for value on every street is the best play and should generate or garner the most chips in the long run. He says, of note, I looked at this hand and last week's hand for probably over 30 minutes each. Well, thanks, Andy, for doing that. I appreciate uh, your commitment. But he makes a good point here. Andy says, it's way more time than I would get to make a decision at the table. These decisions are much harder to make when you have 10 to 20 seconds, plus the pressure of being in a live poker tournament. Just an interesting thought. And I think that's an incredibly valid thought as well. Uh, it's much easier to break these hands down later than when you're in the heat of the moment. And that's where, you know, what I'm trying to learn from all of y'all is what are those things I really need to pay the most attention to? What are those principles that can become second nature so that what I'm processing is more of the, uh, the additional information, but those core principles are already embedded into my thought process. So that's my hope. And I think, Andy, I have the same thought as you on that deal. All right, let's hear from uh, Minnesota Poker Hall of Famer Schneids, uh, Mike Schneider, who once again, Mike, uh, thanks for uh, taking the time to give us your insight. Uh, uh, your words, as much as anybody, have, have helped my game immensely, and, uh, uh, and I really appreciate you taking the time to help us recreational players become better. Uh, so Mike says, this is the type of hand where there are no real great options. That said, I think I prefer a check on the river. I don't think the button can ever make a huge bet on the river with just a straight. 
and if we bet the river, I don't think he can ever raise us on the river with just a straight. Therefore, I feel like the river raising range of his is going to be weighted entirely toward nut flush or bluffs. So for me personally, with a nice above average chip stack, I don't want to possibly face an all-in raise and be forced to assess if this extremely polarized range now contains bluffs in it, or if this ABC guy is purely raising me with the nuts and he never has a bluff here. And then before I know it, I talk myself into a hero call because the math says when it's nuts or nothing, it has to be nothing a fair deal of the time. If I felt super confident about my read on this guy as being straightforward ABC, confident enough uh, to for certain go with it, I do prefer a bet fold on this river. Seeming as we will get looked up by a ton of two pair hands that can be in his range that aren't necessarily a guarantee to bet the river themselves if checked to. All of that said, I think if we bet 22,000 and the button goes all in, we probably have to fold, even with the fact we don't think he will raise straights on this board. If he does raise straights too, this fold becomes trivially easy. The ratchet is definitely the fact that I don't believe he will, therefore increasing the chances of being a bluff since there are not that many value combinations of hands in his range. There should only be two real bluffs hands in his range, king-10 or ace-king. It would take a rare opportunity to turn ace-jack or king-jack into something like, something like that into a bluff, and his description doesn't sound like he would be that guy. Leading up to the river, I think the hand was played well. The only real debate spot is whether to bet or check call the turn. But since this guy is described as straightforward, I like the betting because there's not as much of a risk that he will semi-bluff raise us with a big draw on the turn. And since the turn has produced a plethora of straight and flush draws, we don't want to give him a chance to check back any of them when he'll definitely call a bet from us while he's drawing. All right, thanks Schneids and thanks everybody for your input. Uh, yeah, I, this is a tough spot for me. Um, because I know people are willing to bluff, I'm always uh, kind of uh, skeptical of that. Uh, the way that it worked is that I checked the button bet about 25000 and I did go in the tank a bit, and ultimately it was uh, two things that made my decision to fold. And so sorry, we don't know what he has, but I did fold. I checked, he bet, and I folded, and two things really emerged for me as key. One was the size of my chip stack. Um, obviously, I want to build chips but I had plenty of chips here. I wasn't desperate, and I felt like the the upside potential of the pot, which was great, uh, was not, however, as important as the downside risk of losing another 25000 uh, I felt comfortable at the table. I thought um, I can play with these guys, so I didn't feel like I had to take unwarranted chances. Uh, so that was one, and then ultimately the fact that he was a, he's been a very straightforward player. Uh, if he chose this time to run a, a really good bluff, then hats off to him. I just kind of tip my hat to him. But I think, uh, given his personality and stuff, I think just I just don't think a bluff was was very reasonable for him, um, as the type of player that he was. So ultimately, I decided to give up the hand, uh, which is always sad to flop a set and give it up. But I think um, I perhaps lost uh, lost less than I could have, and but not the minimum. It sounds like a lot of you maybe would have checked the turn or made the turn uh, bet lower. Um, which maybe would have uh, made this less of a loss. But all in all, um, I think I played it okay. I feel okay about it. Uh, but you guys provided some great insight and ways that I can think about this uh, at the next level. So thanks for that, y'all. Um, if you have any questions or if you have any comments, you have any uh, hand scenarios you want us to run, 
Uh, get a hold of me through Twitter at Rec Poker, Facebook, the Rec Poker Group. Email me, stevefredland at gmail.com. Uh, you can get a hold of me through Running Aces if you want. Uh, please go out to the uh, the Running Aces website and link to the podcast from out there. Uh, some some great information that they have on upcoming tournaments, but also it helps support uh, support them as a sponsor. So runaces.com slash poker. Uh, if you want to know any other information or if you have any questions or comments for me, please reach out. Otherwise, I guess we will see you next week.